Thursday? It's not a cougar anymore? No, it was never, I, don't think it was, I don't think it was ever a cougar. You talking about? It isn't. I looked it up. I thought I had it right. He's looking at my school. Oh. I, I did a background check. Oh, yeah. He didn't do a very good job of that. I didn't. No, man. I don't think it was ever. Uh, what did you say? Cougar. Cougar. No. In Yuma, Arizona? Cougar. Yeah. That's what Cougars. I thought. No. I thought it was weird. Nope. Anyway. I mean, he, he probably <laughs> nailed a couple cougars on there at the time. Hey. Oh, my God, dude. There it is. That was my Welcome favorite thing to do. the Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. <laughs> my name is Jay. And Gary, you want to introduce your uh, guest today? Yeah, this is Kelvin Gasloon, UFC star, star of uh, The Ultimate Fighter Season 17. Uh, that's where we met. Uh, we're good friends. He's an inspirational guy, one of the most positive people I know, and uh, happy to have you here. <laughs> Likewise, brother. Thank you for uh, inviting me. And yeah, man, Gary and I go way back since uh, I was 20, basically. You know, um, and, and he was a big instrument as to why I was able to stay calm, stay cool in that house. He was a big, he was a big, uh, I don't know, influence, I guess. And he, 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 him and I would have our little talks and I think it was a way for me to, uh, Gary has a very calming demeanor. He, he can, he can really bring you down in a moment. <laughs> that was the first thing my wife said when he yeah. came to the house, she's like, the house felt calmer. No one ever says that when Gary showed up <laughs> and, and I know that he's scattered and shit, but it really is that way. I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great because he was really, a. Uh, uh, I don't know how to say it. You know, he really helped me out throughout the house. You know, when I was there, a 20, 21 year old little fucking kid didn't even know what side of the bed to piss on. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you're the, you were the youngest fighter uh, ever in tough history, right? Or have they, have they broken that record since you? No, I think I still hold that record. You have to be 21 and he was barely 21. So, I mean, if anyone's going to beat it, it'll be a day or two, you know? I remember when I was watching that season, there was a whole lot of discussion around the fact that your age was not, um, or you were so much younger than everybody else. And everybody felt that it was some kind of, you know, that it was a disadvantage. The way that you composed yourself was completely opposite of what would have been expected of a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it had been something I had been dreaming about since I was like 16, 17 years old. So like, we had this in mind. When I was young, and so once I was there, you know, we kind of just went with uh, what felt right and what I had in mind and what I wanted to do once I got there. And Yeah, it was, it was such a crazy experience. I think I was just so dumb and naive that uh, I was just kind of chilling. <laughs> you know, I was just young, young, green, naive. Dumb. I wouldn't say dumb, but I think, like, you didn't really realize how big it was. At the time, yeah. like to over worry yourself or to like, you only worried about the there things you that you could control in the moment instead of the right. older guys, 30, mid thirties, they're kind of thinking this is my last shot or they're overthinking. And you were like, you know, I'm going to wake up and eat and go to train as hard as I fucking can. when it's go time, yeah. I'm going to go as hard as I can. And that's all I can really control. So that's what I'm going to control now. And, and right, you know, got to be mindful to be a good fighter. That's got to be the basis of everything you do. You are right. I think the older that you get, the the more that you start to question yourself, your surroundings, you worry about less about what's happening in the moment and more about where you're going or where you're coming from. And I didn't ever see that out of you. You just always seem to be like, hey, I'm doing it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was there, you know. Like, like Gary said, there's not much you can control other than the, what you're doing. You know, I would wake up, eat, train, and that's all I can control. You know, and uh, I think about it now. Like, would I do it now? Now that I'm 30 years old, like I'm, uh, you know, I'm an old dog now compared to 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 then. Uh, I've got my way of doing things. I've got my habits. I've I've got these. You know, I probably wouldn't be able to stand the people in the house the same way I could have now. I think we're all that way. That comes with age. We're less and less tolerant of young ignorance the older we get. Yeah. Yeah. And in in his case, it was like, it was the older dudes because obviously they were all older than you, but they, that were having the issues. And his season was like some of the like most highly touted people we've had on the show, like guys with 20 fights and your eye halls and that are just, phenomenal athlete. So, you know, his name got thrown to the bottom of the list when he had four fights out of Yuma and, and nobody really knew him. So, yeah. you know, at least in everybody else's eyes, he was a huge underdog. I bet my job at in casting that he would win the whole show and everybody told me I was fucking crazy. And nice. I mean, granted, like I had made some crazy bets before that I hadn't won, but I said, <laughs> if you put him in the house, cause they're like, he's young, he's just a wrestler. Like what, there's a lot of guys with a lot more experience that he didn't like. Just a wrestler? Yeah. Cracks me up because <laughs> you let out some of the nastiest combinations I've ever seen. And people are asleep before your fist even gets there. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this is, that, they were worried about your wrestling? Well, that's yeah. part of the equation. You know, when you're so worried about a guy that's got such great wrestling, like your hands aren't up where they should be. And you're you're thinking about one thing. It's all about like get them guessing left and you go right. And that's, how, you know, how you get them, you know. So some of the best striking is just set up is, by the fear of wrestling. Watch this hand while I slap you with the other. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. You worry about me going down, but I'm going to go up, you know, and that's really what MMA is about. Martial arts is based on deception. So when you think I'm going up, I'm going down. I've never heard anybody phrase it that way. It's based on deception. I like that. Just to kind of to ask what you mean by that. Are you indicating that maybe we can give someone a direction to go without them realizing it like we're giving them commands without them knowing we're giving them commands so that we can take advantage of them yeah no in a way yes you're deceiving this person you're lying to this person you think you're going to go one way but you go the other and uh, i was actually having this conversation with the great mike tyson uh you know and he said you know it's not always the uh it's not always the toughest fighter you know it's the smartest fighter and i'm like yeah that's true but it's also the better liar that gets out there and gets the job done. Mm. Better liar. Who can deceive better? You know? And he, he looked at me he's like, oh, went a little deeper with that. It's true, though. You know, <laughs> if, I, if my hands aren't up, every shot's going to hurt me. You know, if I'm too worried about one thing and, um, you know, everyone painting you as a wrestler was just doing you a service because that's all your opponents, you know, especially, you know, early on before they really got right. to see you, they were worried about one thing and then boom, they're sleeping. You know, and that's yep. it's a good. it's a good thing to have. You know, um, and use it. Damn good thing to like, have. There's people that don't use those things. You know, they they don't like that they're a wrestler. They want to be a striker, and they don't use the wrestling to set up their striking, or they don't, you know, or they think too much about this guy knows I'm going to wrestle, so I'm not going to wrestle. I'm going to, you know. Right. So I think it's it's a chess match, and a lot of it's the planning and the coaches you have, and, and the game plan, and also being able to throw that the fuck out the window when it's not working, and like not stick to one thing. You know, absolutely. Yeah, it's not something that I would ever put myself into. I love watching it. 
I don't have the composure in that scenario. Um, once, <laughs> once those things start happening, I imagine that I'm going to die every time I'm in a fight. So I need to do things that are out of desperation and it's yeah. not cool. Like, I'm not going to be the guy that you're like, did you see the way he knocked him out? Or it's going to be like, did you see him bite his ear? Like what? <laughs> yeah. That's where it separates. Oh, Jesus, no, I didn't yeah. say it like that. No, I mean like legitimately. Yeah, that separates the sport from the street fight. You know, it's the, it's the yeah, mentality exactly. and and how you approach it. A lot of ways too. Yeah. No, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just agreeing. Yeah, it just it just depends on how you see it and how you approach the fight. Everybody has a different approach to the fights. You know, there's not like a set rule on how to train or how to approach a fight. Everybody's but it's so different. Yeah. I mean, I've seen every way, you know, most people don't fight good angry. They just don't. And some have to kind of get angry to get up for the fight. And if they can manage that in a way in which it works, great. But emotions make you hesitate or go too quick or make stupid moves. And yeah. a lot of times you get mad in a fight instead of going for a good position, you start fucking throwing bombs or whatever and you leave yourself open. And that's mm -hmm. when you go to sleep or you leave an arm out there or a leg that gets snapped off. You know, it's like, up, yep. Yep, yep. And no, if you're that, in the street, you always I mean. get your collar fucked up. Fuck. No, you always end up with a fucked up collar on your shirt if you're out in the street fight. <laughs> yeah, my. Yeah. No, I mean that's why McGregor was so fucking so good. Is I mean he 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 got into people's minds before he even got in the cage. Like these people would go out there seeing red, and he was calm, cool, and collected the entire time. You know, stone cold in his veins. Yep, it's a. Uh... Rhonda did the same thing. You know, Rhonda had people so terrified of her and the arm bar and everything yeah. that, that one little extra bit of hesitation she would get out of people because of that fear would be just enough for her to toss them mm -hmm. in his done. I, I find that lack of concern on someone's part as well. When you look at somebody that doesn't seem to be concerned about whether or not they're going to be doing something with you in a ring, will fuck your head up really bad. <laughs> Because you have a good poker face and you're always just kind of chill. I would <laughs> not like to be looking across there and be like, can you at least look like you're a little bit upset about this? Or like, <laughs> yeah. I'm on your nerves or That's you thought funny. about me today. <laughs> I actually had a teammate comment on, comment on that. You know, my poker face. He's like, Kelvin just looks like he's your best friend while he's in front of you. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I've interviewed your opponents. They feel that way. Because I just stand there. Just stand there in front of people, and I'm very comfortable being in the pocket where most people aren't, right? What's that confidence feel like for people that don't fight, right? And to sit in there, you're saying you're in the pocket, and when you explain that, that's that's fists coming at your head, and you're looking eye to eye and kind of, you know, at each other. Yeah. How does someone maintain their composure and watch someone else their movements, knowing that they're trying to strike you at the same time. It almost seems like there's like a, a, a matrix scenario going on. There. Yeah, it kind of is, I guess. Um, I guess it just goes back to, to just getting, getting used to getting hit. And um, when I was young, you know, when I was young, I had a, I, I, you know, I had to help my buddy Edgar Garcia get ready for his UFC debut. And I was the only, you know, everybody else was scared of him. This guy, this guy was a monster. Uh, and I'd be the only, you know, 15, 16 year old, like, I'll spar with this guy. And, uh, I think I just got used to getting hit real early and very, com and got used to being very comfortable in, in the fire. And I don't think a lot of people are, you know, they want to, they want to run away. No, they panic. They run away from that fire. They run, they, you know, see a lot of fighters 
do this. That usually puts you right at the end of their punch. You know, in close is better than being right at the end. You know, you can't generate Absolutely. a lot of pop right here, but if you're going to move away from me and I'm going to be at the end of the punch, that's when you get knocked the fuck out. Um, my experience of, yeah. you know, interviewing guys is also like, did you do the work to prepare? If you're in there and you know you didn't skip days and you know you went hard and you did the right things, you're going to be confident if, if you took the days off and didn't have a good camp or whatever. And, you know, I think it starts from the camp to the weight cut to the stare down to everything. If if you're doing the right things in your own mind, then you're going to be confident when you get in there. If you hadn't and you start thinking about that on fight day, uh, you know, things could go pretty bad for you, I think. Absolutely. The confidence comes in the preparation. Once you know you prepared well mm. and you know you're ready, then that's, you know, all you can ask for. It's funny you you, you frame it that way because we were talking about music, Gary and I, and about creating stuff. And there's very few things that I've felt naturally attuned to or feel like it's my skill or that I can be passionate about or I can work with. And for the first time in my life, I know that because I've sat with headphones on for the last three years and manipulated sound so much that I'm confident in that if somebody gives me some strange shit, I'm going to have actually have fun with it, creating something that they're not expecting. And I'm not even afraid of it. I'm more excited to get the chance to use all the skills that I've been sitting there honing that had no use until that day. Right. And it's like, it's, it's my party that day. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I like to, I like to try to draw comparisons and show the, the, the similarities in life. And that's how I feel about it. Absolutely. You can relate MMA or MMA or fighting to, to almost anything. And you're right, man. You hit the money on the head right there or the nail on the head there. It's like, uh, you know, they always say, you know, get, you know, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And, and Calvin's one of those guys throughout his career that's taking all the short notice fights. And if they say, hey, we want you to fight this guy, like, you know, he's going to say yes, um, unless there's like some <laughs> injury or something. I don't want to fight that guy either. Yeah, but That's the same <laughs> guy that looks calm and the same guy that takes a fight on one day makes me feel like he thinks I'm a chump. Yeah, they- <laughs> and he knows it. And he knows something I don't know. Or he loved <laughs> it too. A, that's a lot of you confidence. Know, guys, some guys... like. <laughs> don't love the fighting. They do it because they're good at it or it's the way to make money. And some people like, mm. like the challenge, like you're talking about, like getting a crazy sound and having to make it like, it's more of a challenge. Okay. So I got to go fight the world champion on two weeks notice and 40 pounds overweight today. Like, okay, how do we start? You know, part of the challenge, part of the story, you know, it's like a, not always the best decision to take all the fights on short notice, like depending on where you're at, but you know, that's, that builds the fans and, and gets the organization behind you. And usually it pays dividends, I think, down the road. Definitely. Um, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. It's got to be an intuition thing, right? Yeah. You know, and it's also, you know, once they show you that check, it's like, ah, okay. <laughs> um, but also just the opportunity, the type of opportunity. I mean, these were big opportunities against top, top contenders in the world. And I felt like I was up for the task. And I, I went with it, you know, so sometimes it doesn't work out, but it hey. never works out if you don't take the opportunities. This shit ain't working right. from your couch, you know? Like, exactly. Exactly. At least I went out there and tried, you know, most people won't go out there and try. Yeah. Difference between success and failure is action. Yes. That's it. Yeah. That's yes. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard every action. excuse in the That's world it. not to get out there, you know, and I don't criticize because I'm not a fighter, but comfortable. They always regret the oh, fights dude. that they didn't take, you know? 
Not the ones they took. Absolutely. Hardly anybody says, shit, I wish I didn't take that fight. Everybody says, fuck, I should have took that fight. <laughs> but victimhood's yeah. real comfortable, man. When you get in a position where you've you've been wronged by life in some way, shape, or form, whether you're a fighter or you're a fucking lawyer or whatever, once you've taken that mark that everybody else can say, oh, yeah, I agree, you got fucked, then you sit back on your ass and you just sit there as victim fucked. And that's your new hat, your new mask, and you don't fucking pursue or move on in life. And that's a comfortable position, but it ain't fucking anywhere that you're going to get in life with it. Right. You got to stand up and leave that shit behind you. Oh, yeah, man. Like Gary said, I mean, I've heard every every excuse as to why I shouldn't be doing what, I, what I'm doing. You know, people have thrown at me, oh, he's a short shit. Like, oh, he's too pudgy for the division. He's too short for the division. Uh, this guy was the last pick. You know, everything, everything thrown at me. But you can't listen to those those fucking people. They're not the ones out there trying. Where's that confidence come from? That's a that's a lot of confidence because a lot of people don't believe in themselves that way. They don't have the ability to tell someone that what they say doesn't mean anything in their world. Because you did take a lot of flack. I remember back in mm-hmm. tough. I mean, they, they it's always been you said pudgy, and that's bullshit. And I don't, no, I don't understand it, you know. <laughs> I am. Well, he had that baby but, fan but when he got in the house a little bit. That's an onslaught <laughs> yeah. of shit to have to hear, yeah. though. You know, he's a 20-year-old kid. Yeah. And his mom's a hell of a cook. And, like, he came off, you know, <laughs> living right at home. And, you know, like, that's that was I that remember, baby fan. Uh, I remember Josh, I like the ice man, cream. Josh the man, rest in peace, he, he, he always cap on me for my diet, you know. <laughs> like, oh, he ate microwave taquitos the, the whole entire season, <laughs> like. Six See, microwave turkey. You know? If if I'm yeah. eating fucking little portions of meat that I weighed out and all this other stuff, and this kid walks in with a fucking <laughs> taquito in his hand, and like fucking all this other shit, microwave burritos. My head. Yeah, they they ate it. Doing it on purpose. He's up there. Fucking, I'm trying to cut weight, and he's fucking eating six fucking burritos and fucking drinking a fucking Coca-Cola two liter or whatever, you know, like they, they, it would fucking fuck their heads up. You know, it would either two ways. They would think you're not taking it seriously and they would underestimate you or get in their head because they're counting every calorie and only had one thing of broccoli in three days and, you know, or spitting in a cup for, you know, get every extra <laughs> ounce out. And I remember that in wrestling at high school. The most ridiculous things that you believed would get you to make weight before yeah. you got somewhere. Jolly Ranchers. They'd give you like that ridiculous like Gatorade gum or some oh, shit yeah. that was supposed <laughs> to like quench your thirst. We're yeah. spitting in cups on the way for <laughs> I love that it's gum. Like I go to asses. Big Five just to get that quench gum every now and then. It's, yeah, it has flavor for 0.3 seconds. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Worst cutting weight. I weighed like 154 and had like no body fat on me. Like, can you drop a few more pounds? Like, I can't uh, do it anymore. That's a whole uh, different Yeah. Thing. Do you feel comfortable fighting when you don't have to cut as much weight? Or do you like being at a certain weight that you feel more comfortable at? Well, I, I, I like not cutting weight. You know, middleweight is not, it's not that hard for me to make, you know. Um, Good. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, whereas welterweight was, was, I was nearly dying and, Dude, I have like PTSD from from that from those weight cuts. That's a whole different fucking not thing to do that shit to our bodies. That's <laughs> you know, and going back to the tough house, I you know, it's funny because I remember I was supposed to fight and uh, they left. I was supposed to cut like fourteen pounds. I went home and uh, I went home. to like uh, in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I gotta I gotta carb up so that I can have energy to cut this weight. 
you know, and uh, <laughs> I remember Luke, <laughs> Luke Barnett, my English friend, Luke Barnett was the number one pick of the house. And he comes up to me. He's like, Kelvin, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm carving up, brother. I'm getting ready to cut this weight. I need energy. I need fuel. I need to fuel my body. <laughs> I need weight to cut weight. You know, yeah. and I got 14 pounds to cut that. I got 14 pounds to cut that night. Over here with making making uh, hash browns with fucking putting all kinds of oil in there. <laughs> I, I feel like we're not allowed to interfere and shit like that. So like those are the moments when you're like watching and you're like, oh no, don't no 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 don't do that because like if I went and told him not to do that, that's giving his opponent you know an advantage or whatever. So we never do anything like that. Never you know we interview like tell the other guy what the guy's gonna do like. We, Something that we're very, you know, serious about. So you're watching somebody just fuck up. You're like, oh, like, <laughs> oh man. Well, and there's a lot of there's a lot of shit that comes along with that whole weight stigma inside of martial arts, wrestling, all that kind of stuff. If you don't make it, then you're, you know, you didn't take it serious, or it's not professional, or something along that line. But I can tell you, the one thing that I always see that makes me feel bad for people in the UFC or on Tough when someone doesn't make weight. Yeah. Is when they tell Dana and you see his face on camera, like it is the most disappointed. Oh yeah. <laughs> like like oh, I yeah. feel horrible for that person. I'm like, he he does he's not angry. He's just he's just like <laughs> oh, shit, man. I feel bad for people in that scenario. Most times they're oh, fucking yeah. up. Like doing some shit yeah. they absolutely knew they shouldn't do. Like eating ice cream and being that's only two more minutes in the sauna, like pounding a gallon of ice cream two days out and like okay. For sure. For you know, sure. I've been I there. just couldn't For see myself sure. on that. I wouldn't want to be on the end of that look. That's the way I'm saying it. Yeah. One, well, I remember one time I was fighting in San Antonio and uh, Joe Silva was still part of the organization who was the, the, the former matchmaker. And I, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to make the welterweight limit. You know, I was thinking I was, I think I was like a pound and a half over and I'm just, I'm dead. I'm on the ground, you know, in the oh. back, in the back of the, in the back. And I, I just see Joe from afar just staring at me. He's like a foot shorter than me and real angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You just see him staring at me. He's probably like 30 feet away at a, in a bus. He's in the front of a bus just staring at me. Like, is he going to fucking make weight? Are you going to get the fuck up? Like, just, just cold fucking staring at me while I'm dead on the ground. Like, I'm done gun weight. Yeah, that was just, that was too small. I mean, there's there's guys that fuck up and guys that are just in a weight class that's just going to be almost impossible. So I've gotten that. Yeah, that's got to mess with you mentally. Oh, yeah. I mean, to feel like you're a failure after you've lost 13 pounds and you need one more to go. Oh, Like, yeah. I don't feel like there's a, a reason mentally to have to be in that situation. That's tough. Oh, yeah. I remember when I missed weight again with uh, Tyron Woodley, and that was probably the worst one. You know, um, they actually took me to the hospital and got got filled up with IVs. Um, but I remember getting down to like 173 and a half, I think. So I was pretty close until they took me to the hospital uh, and then got filled up with IVs. And then fuck, talked to the UFC doctors. They're like, come on, come on back, get way in. I, I, I'm like not even 100% coherent as to what's going on. All right, let's go back. Like the way, I don't even know. What I'm doing on the scales, why I'm there, I should not take that fight. Yeah, it's uh, um, sometimes the weight just doesn't come over. off too. How much was it? 10 pounds over. I was, t it was 10, it was 10 over. 
Jeez. 10 over for that Tyron Woodley fight. And I just remember walking out to the octagon, pretty much defeated. Like, I just want to get knocked out and go home and crawl in the cave. I'm so ashamed, you know? And that's the worst situation for, for someone that's going into a fight to be in. That, that can't be a good place mentally to live in. No, it was not. It was not. I just wanted to get out there and get knocked out. This game's a motherfucker. I mean, it's it it's to be your best friend or your worst enemy, and it's you know sometimes you do all the right things and shit doesn't work right, and sometimes yep. shit is just yep. man, it's rough. Artem Lobov pointed out something when he was on about dehydration because I never thought about it, and the fact that our brain is surrounded by a sack of fluid. And mm-hmm. we cut so much and it's not just going, you know, three rounds or whatever of fighting. It's also the fact that you're losing all those fluids and you have less of a barrier between your skull and your brain than it's taking thumps to the head. And I was like, that's a fucking brilliant point. Yeah. Like I never thought about that. So if you add the dehydration and cutting weight and then you have your brain in there just kind of hanging out with nothing blocking the sides, that's, that's a recipe for uh, for some bad headaches. Yeah, yeah. I actually haven't thought about that that layer of uh, that like you know. That's why hydration is so important. Yeah, it's also your brain yeah. is needs water like every muscle. When you're dehydrated, your muscles cramp because they're not functioning properly. So your brain's not functioning properly. And it's a brain cramp, look basically. Like. And they say the brain's the last thing to rehydrate. Like when you when you hydrate back up, so. It's hard to lose 20 pounds and put it all back in. Like you pound all the shit you want, but your body's going to piss out most of it. And like, you know, it's, it's hard. And if you drink too much too fast, then, you know, that's going to fuck you up here and puke it back out. And that's not going to help. It's like, um, I hope to have, uh, Tyler Minton on soon. Um, you know, he's a nutritionist and he's, he's like kind of, this is his thing. He studied it every day for years. He's the man. He's He's always putting out great information on social media. I've been stopping through all the time. He's super motivating. Yeah, yeah, super cool. nice guy, and he's 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 kind of an asshole, but I like him. <laughs> yeah, he kind of is. He's like a nice no. asshole. It's <laughs> like so nice that yeah, you're like you have to be an no, asshole. No, I'm can't kidding. Be nice. He's not. <laughs> he is pretty fucking nice. I hate him. Yeah, he's it's, that's why he's like he's too nice. Like, sometimes guys are too nice. You're like you can't be that nice. <laughs> <laughs> you have like a nice off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm, that's Canada. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I can't remember Kelvin ever being an asshole to anybody either. Like I've seen people poke at you forever and, and try to try to get you to go to where they want you to go. And I just, I just haven't seen you, you know, stoop to anybody's level. And, um, you know, it's, it's it, being a young guy, like you're still young, you just hit 30 and all the big fights and everything you've had and go, coming from Yuma, it's just not richest place in the world and all of a sudden you're in Huntington Beach and people are throwing money at you and like it's easy to become an asshole and like think you know <laughs> that you're better than people or and that shit and it's I've never seen even a glimpse of that you know I mean it's it's hard to do that I, w- I don't know if I could have been yeah. done it the same way like I was an asshole at that age and I was broke as fuck so I don't know <laughs> well I think yeah. I have a lot to it has a lot to do with my mom or else she'd beat that shit out of me yeah. Uh, I have a really good mom. You know, a lot of people were born with two shitty parents. I was born with one great mom. So that's amazing to hear. And you can see it. There's obviously she did a good job in the fact that if you can walk around with confidence at a young age and not let the way that people were trying to treat you 
or trying to bring you down, not let that impact you. Right. It shows how much confidence she actually gave you. She's a fucking warrior, man. She's a bigger warrior than I am, for sure. She made me cry. I was like, when he won, I was like, I'm not going to cry. And then I was sitting with his mom and his sister, and I'm like, I'm not even going to look at them. I'm not going to look at them. I glanced, and she said one little tear, and I fucking lost it. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not going to look. I'm like, oh, don't cry. I was one of the greatest nights ever, man. Yeah, and, I, and I love Uriah, you know, and like it's hard in, when I have two friends that are that are fighting, and it's just mm. like... I don't know. I just saw the journey and, and everybody had counted him out from the minute he walked into the tryouts. Like, you know, somebody once he was like put an X on his application, like right when he walked through and 4-0 against opponents with no record. Like everybody was 4-0 against somebody. It's the Rudy. Everybody roots for Rudy, yeah. man. Whenever somebody, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whenever somebody gets that Rudy name tattooed on the back of him in some situation, everybody wants Rudy to win because we all feel like him. Everybody yeah. felt like you when they were standing there listening to you catch all that shit on the <laughs> show and taking it. What yeah. people do is they transfer their fucking wants, desires, or who they want to be onto the person they're looking up there. So it's not, there's got to be a certain amount of pressure knowing that people's self confidence is transferred to your success at the same time. Do you feel that sometimes? I'm not sure I catch, I caught that 100%. So people will be fans of a fighter or a sports team. Right. And they will love what they're doing and they will, they'll get their confidence from the wins that they see the people that they admire getting. Okay. So like they draw inspiration from the, like their favorite athletes. Correct. Correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I don't do you, know if I do that. I don't know if I do that to other people. Um, I would hope absolutely so. absolutely do. <laughs> I would hope so. Um, I would hope that the theme of my career would be this guy never gave up no matter what the fuck was thrown at him. Um, and I hope people can relate to that. Um, but I, I really don't know if I, I, I caused that impression on, upon people. Yeah, that's why you do cause it because you don't realize and you don't act like, you know, and sometimes... You act different when you're trying to do things like that. And it might, you know, I think you're the same kid that I met 10 years ago, you know, in some nicer suits and a little, uh, little less body fat, but you've always been the same guy. And, you know, if I call him for anything, he answers and calls right back and, never, you know, doesn't, it doesn't matter what the case was and how big the fight was and, or whatever the case was. Like some people, they get out of the fighter house, they have some success um, and they don't think about, any of the people that were there and I don't need any of the credit or anything like that. I like to put it towards the guys that work so hard for me. And, you know, they're there every day, 18 hours a day, sometimes just trying to do anything they can to like get these guys to look good and to, you know, make the set right and make sure they have everything they need to eat. And it's a, uh, it's tough. The people that work on that show, um, they don't get paid a lot compared to a lot of the other shows like big brother and survivor and these big network shows. And they come back for, decades, you know, just only because they love it, you know, and they get everyone on my team is the best and they have the offers to go to bigger shows all the time. They, they don't ever take them. Hardly ever. Like double the money to go work on The Bachelor. Fuck off. Like they don't even think about it. You know, they're they're back on top so awesome. grinding it out, you know, and it's it's hard. You know, we're understaffed it's like so everybody. Awesome. And, yeah. It's so awesome. tough to go to The Bachelor? <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, they offered me great. twice my salary. I think you should get a wedgie oh, wow. on the way for that. Like, you should get a wedgie if you leave tough to go to the bachelor. <laughs> yeah, they've offered yeah, me literally I double. I don't condone bullying. Yeah. But that's crazy, man. And I've been able to coach uh, two of those seasons uh, myself, apart from just winning. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to get to next. Exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and Gary's right, man. I mean, his his crew is just some of the best in the world. I mean, these guys are still there even from when I was there or even before that. You know, some of these, some of the, the, the crew has been there since tough one. Yeah. Yeah, there's probably four or five of us at least left that have been there the whole time. And then guys that have been there a majority of the time mm -hmm. um, or have had to leave for whatever reason and have came back, um, you know, it's a, it's a weird dysfunctional family that we have there, but like it's a fraternity or, you know, whatever, once you leave and you become part of it, oh, it's like yeah. very military. It's kind of like that. You've been through this <laughs> shit with these people and you like, you've been in yeah. this, this fucking bubble that you're not allowed out of. You can't use for people that don't know the show, you're not allowed to watch TV. You can't listen to music. You don't have the internet. You can't call home. Like you are in this Ooh. bubble that is no music, none, zero. Like maybe you get a, one of the producers having a nice day and they'll throw the radio on on the way home for a few minutes, but um, we can't use any of that footage. And it's just part of the thing. It's oh, like yeah, the audio, the gotcha. pressure cooker. You need to focus on one singular thing, and and uh, people take full advantage of it. Or they rebel against it the whole time and think about what they don't have instead of what they do. And, you know, he had Chell Sonnen and had brought a phenomenal coaching staff in and, and he had, you know, great training partners. And instead of like, oh, I wish I could have music or, oh, I wish I could go to the movies. It was like, I got Clayton Hires here. You know, I got Jamie Hugh here. Oh, yeah. I got Chell Sonnen here. I got these guys that have so much knowledge. Like, I'm just going to get as much of that shit and write it down and put it in and make them repeat it five times. And like all the time we've had the best coaches in the world from if you name a grappling coach or a striking coach like i've got to watch them coach and teach and then you know kelvin one of them and bringing in his guys like his team from back home and his team that you know that came from the show and had a super team and these guys just you know got your guys ready every time and um a lot of the most of the coaches come and they really care you know, which is even a big stars that you think they're not going to really care. Like they're just going to go get their check and leave. Like day one, they see these guys grinding and they're in it. Like they care about yeah. everything and they're at the house every night and they're making sure they eat right and train right and have everything they need. They're calling me every five minutes. Like so-and-so didn't get his fucking blah, blah, blah. And he wanted brown rice and you guys keep bringing them fucking white rice. Like, what are you doing? You know, <laughs> like, like myth, it's the same, you know, it's like, it's, but. They care, like brown rice sucks. I don't care what anybody says. That shit is chewy and weird, and it doesn't need to be eaten. I'll just eat less white rice. White rice is the way to go for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just dump a bunch of teriyaki nope. sauce on there, whatever. It's good. <laughs> Low sodium. Low sodium. I'll have a diet coke, please. <laughs> um. Anything uh, you, you want to talk about that we haven't touched on? Um, I know that, uh, you know, you've been getting ready, you know, getting back at it and, and getting ready. Oh, man, by the time, it's crazy. This has been one of the longest layoffs in my fucking 10-year history at the UFC. It's going to be about a year and a half since, since, since my next fight, you know, in January, which is crazy. I've been recovering from a knee surgery. Um, never, never had surgery before. So it took a little longer to recover hundred percent. It took a little longer than I had initially thought. And, uh, finally getting into the rhythm of things myself, 
get training, get run strong. You know, that's all I've been focusing on is getting my health back this year, man. It's crazy. This next fight that I feel I have is another opportunity to revitalize my career. It feels like, you know, it's a second opportunity to do so. And I feel like from here on, I mean, from this fight toward, you know, all the way to the title is, is the, is the thought process. It's like, we're on a 10 fight win streak after this. Hey, wow. It's a, that's the mentality you've always had. And I think that's why you've been successful for 10 years. And, you know, some people lose a fight or two and that's it. They're done. They never get it back. And I think it's a lot of times it's a mental thing. Um, and, you know, yeah. you lose and you always bounce back stronger. And like, that's what it's all about. You know, so many have just lost that first big fight and they just can't recover. Yeah, no. And I mean, trust me, because I've been there. I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm I'm going to be able to get back to where I was. But it's like you go through these mental battles with yourself and you're like, no, fuck that. I can do this. And I, I'm still young enough to do this. I, I've still got all the desire to do it. I've got all the abilities to do it. Fucking go out there and do it. Losing is an opportunity to grow in ways that you can't get by being a winner. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean. This whole year and a half has has forced me to fucking reach into depths that I never had to before uh, mentally, physically, spiritually. I mean, I've had to fucking really dig deep uh, to to battle to battle myself, to get out of the fucking couch and to, uh, you know, get out there and do what I'm, I know what I'm supposed to do. It's a. Uh... When they say objects in motion, stay in motion, objects at rest, stay at rest. Like sometimes when you get stuck in that couch for a while, it's hard to just get the ball rolling again, especially when it's your yeah. whole life since 12 years old has been like one thing. You know, you've never had time off to train, 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 fight, train, you know, and camp starts three days after your fight, you know, win or lose yeah. most of the time, you know, so it's, uh, maybe, you know, sometimes you need a break mentally and, and you don't sure. think you need it and you, isn't necessarily like the way you want it is an injury and everything, but like the batteries are recharging. At the same time, I think. Trip to Mexico solves that. Yeah. Nice. Sometimes, it does. Sometimes you almost go to jail and then you got to call your friend Kelvin. <laughs> uh, like, sure. It's all about the destination. Go to Playa del Carmen. I'll get up with this guy named what? The Cobra? Is that his name? Don't let Ibran. Kelvin hook you up with. Is that his name? Cobra? Yeah. Ibran. Ibran. Yeah. yeah. Don't let Kelvin right. hook you up with the guy named the Cobra when you go to Mexico. And then, like, ah, oh, just go glove up and like, go a couple rounds with him. Just go easy uh, on you. Uh, oh my god! I think he's like a world world champion in Muay Thai. That guy. Yeah, yeah. See, I I can't get kicked. I have two Louisville sluggers and <laughs> sticking out by my shorts. I don't get kicked. I grew up boxing, and that's it. Where I'm from, you kick somebody, you get shot. Like uh, it's like, man, this dude kicking kicking is cheating. Yeah, like, Garrett, isn't Garrett. it? That's, I, I remember. <laughs> I grew up in an area like it, kicking was cheating where I grew up. We used to body box, or yeah. we would oh. no glove or anything like that out in the yard. If anybody used their feet. It was like a no-go, really? like an immediate stop, yeah. you know? And, and I don't know why. When did that, there's like, there was a moment in time where feet became fair game. Yeah. I mean, once, once they MMA, weren't in the game when I was a kid. Once people started watching MMA, you know, I've seen these street fights these days. These guys don't train, but they go out there and they try jujitsu moves. They try like guillotines. Yeah. They try leg kicks. They try spinning back kicks. Yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, that's like the, the word worst. "try" was in front of all of those. Yeah, try because there is some <laughs> funny shit. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, but, but street fighting has evolved, yeah. just like MMA has evolved. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, when you see one guy in a street fight on his ass scooting backwards, welcoming the fight, you know that something's <laughs> oh, yeah. about to if you're like, happen. If they're on the ground, like, come here, I'm like, I'm going to go to McDonald's on the way home. <laughs> oh, your ears are all fucked up? Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> We're good, man. The clip, the clip of Matt Sarah controlling the guy in Vegas comes to mind. Like, yeah. That's you amazing. don't ever know who you're. You don't ever know who you're getting with. Yeah, him and Ryan Hall did like the same restaurant, pizzeria, like shit. Like Ryan Hall's the nicest looking guy. Looks like the accountant from down the street, and he like nonchalantly yeah. takes the guy down, just mounts him. He's like, hey, like, hey. You know, like <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, they calm don't. down, calm down. Fucking the Cobra calm man. Down. I gotta go back there. <laughs> Oh, th- those are good times. I mean, we need this. Is this a story for after hours, or did you just get your ass kicked yeah. by somebody that you didn't I'll, know was going to get you, your uh, ass? I knew I was going to get my ass kicked, but it became kind of my routine. I'll go down there and I would train for a few days, which I'm not good at, and get the shit kicked out of me. Then I would act like a middle aged soccer mom for the rest. I would go get a massage, <laughs> get my nails done, like all nice. that shit. And uh, so after that last time, I had a black eye, and, like my nose was kind of fucked up a little bit. So I go to like a very fancy salon and you can know it's fancy because everyone had bodyguards. All the women came in with bodyguards yeah. with a fucking strap out and they would just stand outside and they're watching novellas and drinking champagne. And I was the only white dude and definitely the only dude at all in there. And I understand Spanish <laughs> pretty good. And they were talking mad shit about me. They were calling me gay. They were saying I got my ass no kicked. Shit. Like they were just the whole, the workers and they're all fucking making fun of me. I don't know if you remember, Fuck. I was text I was texting you about this when it was happening back then. And uh, the girls are like, fucking Mexicans. you should do this. Fucking you should talk shit. I'm like, no, this is fucking hilarious. So I'm just in there like live tweeting what's happening and like talking to my other friend that, that, and like trying to get like a good Spanish sentence for the end, you know? So finally at the end, they're like done. And it was like a Julia Roberts, like fucking pretty woman moment. I like snatched the bottle of champagne. And then like in Spanish, I was like, you need to start t- stop talking shit. And I'm not gay. I just don't like y'all because you're ugly. And like, probably the worst Spanish ever. And uh, and, and then I was like, you should see what the other guys' face look like. And I tipped them all hundred bucks and walked out the door. And like, oh, like, damn. Yeah, I was just walking back in my robe with like a bottle of champagne. Like, oh, I kept the robe. Like, yeah, there's three people working on me giving each a hundred dollar bill and I grabbed the bottle of champagne. I was like, Customized, like angry in a robe is a hard thing thing to do. He's got my nails done. I still have the little things in between my toes. (laughs) 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 There's nothing like hard about that. A short dude in a robe, and then you can't threaten people in slippers, especially with the little, especially with the little pink things like in between your toes that they put like when they do the shit. Like, yeah, like. You know, it's like a really like girly <laughs> bottle of champagne too. It's like rose or some shit. And like, nice. like I got a black eye robe, like, you know, swim trunks on. The little <laughs> leave them alone. It's like trying to mean mug somebody with braces. I got braces on, <laughs> and I swear to God, people are nowhere near intimidated as much as they were. <laughs> No, I see him looking at me. I'm like, this dude thinks I'm a chump. Hey, I'm gonna pop you right in your lip. How's that feel? <laughs> I look friendly. Okay. This guy keeps his hygiene right. He's yeah, not that. Just, <laughs> no, I just grew up poor, and you'll get braces until you're fucking 45. Yeah. <laughs> I think no one could tell though, because everyone where you're from that's like a gangster's got all golden like platinum teeth. So people probably just from a distance think you just got gold shit and beard. Like they just think you're one of them white guys that grew up in the hood. Florida is the yard sale of teeth. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's more shit in people's mouths here for whatever fucking oh, yeah. reason that doesn't make sense. Like teeth are spinning. 
They're falling out. They're fucking oh, yeah. gold. They're diamond. They're yeah, this, there's a they're discount that. grills place there's every by drug your house. Here? Discount grills. <laughs> yeah. I got my rental car off the ground and almost crashed it. And like I pulled over to the side and there's a Hillsboro or whatever was the road, like kind of by Bush Gardens, I think. Like a few exits up and it, they're discount uh, grills there. And I was like, oh, discount grills. That's awesome. I'm like, I was like, what's a discount like grill? Sounds like Houston, Texas activities. It's very Houston. Very Houston-like. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, Florida is nothing but Amscots and strip malls. So, I mean, <laughs> it's fucking with a big, big metal ball in the middle. And Mickey oh, yes. that's pretty much it. <laughs> be a good one. I'm slaving my state. It's fucking... 11 o'clock at night on fucking oh, Friday that's night. bedtime too. He's old as shit. He gets up, gets a Bob Evans extra early, gets two for one. <laughs> yeah. well, he doesn't sleep, dude. I get up to take my morning crap at like, you know, six o'clock in the morning. He's still up from the night before getting ready to go to bed, texting no, about something. I'm like, I sleep in two hour intervals, up? like two, two to three, two hour <laughs> intervals a day. Just, just oh like, God, uh, just like my grandpa. Yeah, yeah. probably. He sounds like a handsome, very smart man. Handsome. He sounds handsome. Yeah. How do you sound handsome? He's comparing me. He's got to be handsome. <laughs> you know, they don't they I don't sleep that. the full eight hours. They just take naps. Well, I've never slept eight hours in a row unless I've been all kinds of drinking. It's more about being awake at that point. They have wakes. They don't have yeah, sleep. Yeah. They have awake times. That's yeah. right. That's true. true. That's that's my state of being at all times. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> it. Sleep when you, I'll sleep when I die. Nap. Just close one eye at a time. Take half I the sleep. I wish I could, man. I need to have my eight at least. Yeah, but you expend I have to. a lot of energy during the day. Like me, it, it, I'm not training that much ever anymore. <laughs> I need to, though. My my shrink said you Send need to Send you sleep. down to Mexico again. Yeah, I want to go bad. Like, I've been trying to buy a place down there. I keep getting outbid. Uh, I don't know if you've it's ever crazy. seen Bacalar, Mexico. It's the craziest place I've, I've ever been. I got on the wrong bus on the way to Tulum once, and they kept going. I'm like, this is it. I'm fucking dead. And we're like three more hours, and it was the most amazing place in the whole world I've ever been. What is it called? It's called Bacalar. It Bacalar. is it is a huh. huge lake, freshwater lake that looks like the ocean. It's the bluest water you've ever seen, and then the ocean's close. Um, everything was closed. Good. I didn't know where the hell to go. Um, so you just keep passing Tulum? Yeah, like hours passed. It was like oh, shit. late when I got there, and there's no hotels in the town. This lady that was on the bus no. was like, you know, like I'll cook for you, like whatever you need. Oh, you know, shit. And they had like a hammock, slept on the hammock, ate the best fucking food I've ever had in my life. And and it was dark, so I didn't know what the place looked like. I was like, this is it. I'm definitely dead. And I woke <laughs> up and I like walked down the street. I'm like, holy shit, man. I like I thought I was dead for a second because I thought I was in like heaven. Like it was so fucking crazy. Yeah. Like no, look man, it up. People Bacala, are so Mexico. nice. Nuts. People are so nice out there. I love it out there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Central America in general is probably one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Costa Rica, Nicaragua. Like, I, I mean, the only thing, I remember Panama. I went for jungle training for like a month there. And nice. that was Panama was beautiful. It was fucking Don't tell. beautiful everywhere, but in the jungle, them damn howler monkeys screaming and throwing shit everywhere and <laughs> spiders spirit and animal. fucking snakes. There's shit on their hands. Spirit animal is a howler monkey. I was wearing a howler <laughs> monkey on my shirt today, actually. Were yeah, I was really? pulled at the UFC, so they gave me a holler head uh, whiskey shirt. Um, I've been I've been wearing one as well. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> Oh, no, I need yeah, one. I'll send, I'll send you one. It's Dana's uh, whiskey brand. Is Hollerhead. Yeah. 
I'm in. It's good. Don't I don't drink, Gary but I'll wear about it. his uh, Columbia trip. Oh, yeah, don't. <laughs> oh, I, I, now I will. We'll save that for a detention I episode. remember reading your Facebook posts about it. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, oh, well, you told me about yeah, this. Looking at this timeline, like, oh, this is the greatest place on earth. And then, no, forget about it. This is the worst place on earth. <laughs> yeah, that was fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> uh, man. Like watching Hostel. Yeah. It, it was, starts out and they're like, yay, going to the party. That's then, exactly what uh, happened. <laughs> I was watching an NFL football game with three hot chicks. Like, it was great. And I walk out and like, this hookers keep grabbing me and like, like, no, I'm, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And, she, and then I sit down on the bench and I look across this little square and she's with two cops just pointing at me. And I'm like, oh, no. So oh, like what? duck and dodge. And I'm going through like in uh, uh, Cartagena, it's like a European city, um, like Spain. So it's like little alleys. And I think I like lost them. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm running, but whatever. I wasn't running. I probably looked <laughs> like it was. I come around and boom, I walk right into him like a movie. They fucking throw me in this little lobby of this like little bank thing where it's ATM. They're like, cocaine, you have cocaine. I'm like, I don't have fucking cocaine. I'm like, look, my stomp fat, motherfucker. I don't got cocaine. And they're like, <laughs> I'm fat. Like, you have cocaine. And, I, yeah, and I'm like, I keep like the bulk of my money in my shoe and then a big wad of pesos that looks like a lot of money. And I always keep a hundred dollar bill in that little thing. I got like this whole plan. So they're like, they're like De Niro, De Niro, De Niro. man, I forget. Yeah, and, uh, I'm like, I don't have anything. And the guy reaches in my back pocket and just pulls out this big bag of cocaine. I'm like, that's not oh, fucking mine. Like, he, the guy thinks he's like a fucking magician. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, it probably wasn't even cocaine. It was probably like baking no soda. I'm like, that's not mine. He's like, you're going to jail. You go to jail. I'm like, no, no. He's like, you pay fine. You pay fine. So I take the big wad of money and he throws it in my face and the other guy just cracks me from the side. I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, you know, and he's like, Mas De Niro, Mas De Niro. And he starts poking me, calling me Donald Trump. He's like, Donald Trump, money, Donald Trump, money. I'm like, fuck, now what? you're really insulting me, man. You can punch Donald me again. Trump, yeah, I have no idea. So he fucking cracks me, me again. Trump. Yeah, I was like, that's the fucking worst. Cracks me again. <laughs> and finally, I pulled out the $100. I pulled out my phone. I'm like, call the embassy. And I fucking handed it to him. And the guy just like walks around. He's going to leave. Cracks me in the back of the head one more time. And then they walked out. Like, Damn. yeah. I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, it happened so fast. It was like a movie. And like, I was watching this show called Locked Up Abroad. And like, fucking, that fucks your head up. Like, when you're going to go someplace, like, Bro. Like even if I like doing that shit, I would never do that in fucking Columbia. I feel Columbia. like this is the plot of a movie. That show it, makes me yeah. scared to go through yeah. any customs, even when I've never done anything yeah. wrong. Yeah. I'm afraid that there's like gonna be some cocaine dust from somebody else that sneezed on my fucking bag, and I'm gonna be in like some Riyadh prison. Yeah. Getting fucking beat to hell and yeah. back for the next forty years, and nobody speaks English. <laughs> yeah, I'll take the beating. Yeah, just don't take me to jail. Shit out of me. Fuck. Like, yeah. Fuck. Oh, I didn't Columbia. do shit. Yeah. It was. It was a great place, except for that. Like twelve minutes it was pure hell. You know. And I went back to that bar the next day during the day, and I talked to the guy because he was cool and he's living in the states. He's like that's what they do. It's like those hookers are just they look for the marks. Um, and I dressed down like a lot, but I was I was by myself and American. And they're like. They just, they go find out who they think's got money and they point them out to the cops and like everyone's Damn. afraid to go to jail here. So a little fucking, they'll get every dime out of you. It's like, you're lucky they didn't take you to like, you know, use your bank card. Normally they'll just clean your yep. shit out, you know? Um, but, giving him the pin number and let's say want to bounce your face off the yeah. fucking keys. Damn. I felt like I just watched the movie right yeah, now. It was, it was rough, man. Like, cause I was like, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm a well around, like aware of my surroundings most of the time, but. Yeah. I got caught slipping. I was just out too late, you know, and just should not have been one o'clock or midnight or whatever, just around. But there's like tons of people everywhere. So it wasn't like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I it didn't think that was going to happen. In front of 
in front of people. Yeah, there's people everywhere. Like that square, God, and then when I went, crazy. like there's there's people watching them fuck me up, like right outside, like twenty people probably. Just recording. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't see it somewhere, but <laughs> they were just. Yeah. You're on TikTok, world star, yeah. getting your ass fucking handed. Yeah, to like, it was the worst. Like you know when your, your grandpa pulls the dollar out of or the coin from your ear, it's like the worst magic trick. Like, this is yours. Yeah. I'm like no, it's not. What the fuck? Where did that even end? Like that wouldn't even fit back there. What is it? My prison wallet? Oh, it's yours. I'm like no, no, it's not. <laughs> You I was eating a fucking like, pizza when you fucking found me. Like, I'm not doing cocaine and then pounding a pizza. Yeah. Like, who does that? I'm like, there's sauce all over my shirt still. <laughs> worst magic show. Oh, the worst. I'm like, no. Fuck. Yeah. I'm like, oh, guys, have some of that if you're going to start punching me in the face. Like, this right. I know my shit. <laughs> all right. Shit. <laughs> like, yeah. This is Hot unfair. Damn. Yeah, I was like, damn. Everybody. I did not have one problem while I was there besides that. People were super nice. Like, it was welcoming and friendly and, like, I don't want to... My father-in-law's from Bogota, yeah. and um, he oh, told wow. me, don't dare go to certain places doing certain things. Uh, you, you could get that shit in America. You're in the wrong part of New York or Chicago or Cleveland or fucking wherever in the middle of the night. Someone might just fucking roll up on you, fuck you up. I mean, it's... It's not because it was Columbia. It was a bad timing. You said caught slipping. I think that that's also being complacent as a whole. And I also think that people that do that for a living, finding marks, they know who's looking in the clouds. They know who yeah. doesn't know the, where they are. Or even when they do, people fucking go into a whole different face when they're no longer where they are. They start calculating a whole different world and they're there for the taking. You can grab their wallet. You can fucking do anything you want to them because they're thinking about fucking three years from now. Oh, yeah. Standing on the corner. Oh, yeah, I was thinking, I don't even remember what, like, uh, what I was thinking at that point. It was like a good night. Like, I was like, I'm going to scroll around because there's like a longer way to get to the hotel. I'm like, I'm going to take it by the beach and fucking go and wake up. And like, all of a sudden, nah, this girl's like know. grabbing me. And she's like, because there's like a lot of prostitutes like in that area. And it's like, they're almost like assimilated into just society. Once the lights go off, or, you know, in nighttime, they just come out. It's like families and everything, and then it's just kind of around. And they had been bothering me the nights before, but just like you say, no, they leave you alone. But just, just kept grabbing me and grabbing me and grabbing me. I'm like, no, like, fine, fine, fine. You know, and then, like, fuck. That was, she was, I think she was trying to, like, check me out and see if I had jewelry or maybe, like, whatever, because she's, like, kept stopping and, like, asking questions. Nah, they know. I mean, people will know. They'll they'll pick you out and they'll, they'll you know, they know a tourist from, from one of their own. Yeah, like I think I'm sleeping. Somebody could have saw you pay for something, yeah. made the call to somebody else, come over to this side. He's right 100%. here. I was by myself. I mean, I watched all those movies yeah. where people get killed in Europe because they aren't paying attention with a backpack walking around. Hostile. Like, yeah. <laughs> I equate everything right. to hostile. Yeah. When I travel the world, I always expect to randomly fall into this. Jesus Christ. basement with this guy trying to pull my teeth out with a fucking set of pliers. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> or whatever the fuck that guy was doing. That was the creepiest shit yeah. ever. Don't do that. <laughs> I've, I've been to Bogota. I've been to Bogota and I remember I went and tried looking for some weed out there and we, you know, my driver took us to some fucking shady fucking place. I don't even know how I got out of there alive, but uh, we got <laughs> yeah. ended up getting some weed. Yeah, that's a... Uh, hey, man. Fuck. That's... You are so lucky. Very, very. So, so it lucky. It was dark. It was very creepy. 
Yes. If I tried to pull a stunt like that, I would get everything I deserved. <laughs> I've done the same kind of shit and been fine. And this time I just was watching a football game, trying to walk back to my hotel. You know, other times I was like in situations where I should have just been over. Like that was just me yeah. being real fucking stupid. You know, <laughs> like that time I was, I was actually not doing anything stupid. Cause I do a lot of stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I do I do more stupid shit than smart shit. Smart shit's more the things that surprise people. Yeah. Ask my wife. <laughs> she walks around. I think I was telling Gary the other day. My wife walks around like when I do something stupid, she doesn't look like angry or anything anymore. She looks disappointed, but not yeah. disappointed in me. She looks disappointed in herself for having <laughs> chose me. <laughs> I can't believe I. Why did I do this? This is my own fault. Yeah, like, I chose to do this. <laughs> I can't believe I slept with this man. Yeah. Exactly. That's how it is. And you know what? I get that look every time. I've gotten to the point where I'm okay with it. That's the look I get when it's like, it's time for me to go. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll, I'll take my stuff and go. I'm overstayed my welcome. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the kill must have worn off. Get out of here. No. Don't turn the light on. No, there's no need for that. that I'm just going to take my shit and go. The <laughs> beauty is only a light switch away. Um, <laughs> sorry, you come man. to your senses. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I've both sides of that before. I've definitely Good been God, disappointed dude. and I've been th the disappointment. More, well, um, it's happened. More times like than not, I've been today. the disappointment. Sure. <laughs> In one way or another. Okay. <laughs> um, Dang. Thank you so much for coming Dude, on it's here. It's an honor, man. Thank you for having Genuinely me. Genuinely appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. Super cool meeting you. You're you're Likewise. an awesome dude. Just like I thought you'd be. You know, I watched the season, and I'm I'm super glad that I got the chance to Likewise, sit down and man. have a Likewise. real conversation. If you're ever in Tampa, okay, or in Florida, come to the studio. We do recordings here as well. You're welcome anytime, man. Oh yeah, man. We'll do. I'll, we'll make sure I do for sure. It was fun. It was fun. Thank you for inviting me on. Appreciate it, man. Awesome. Got some good laughs, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, really. That's what it's all about, yeah. man. Especially this time of night. I can't it's 11 o'clock. Jesus this Christ. Now this time of night. Oh, shit, the news is on. This is crazy. Yeah. Huh? I'm, I'm trying to listen to Tom Brokaw. <laughs> is he still on? I don't even know. He's, he's the same age. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> You're like a year younger than me or something. But look, at least at least a year and a half younger I look. Listen. I am. It is what it's it the is. beard. It's the All beard. Right. Now, it puts a little now that I've been properly shamed. Thank you so much. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas 
to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their graphic tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care. They have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees. But I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to thetragedyacademy.com, go to our sponsors tab, and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.